Good morning, everybody. I tell you, that is some awesome stuff, watching the kids do that and, and just the praise and worship this morning. I, I was just sitting around just crying, just watching all that God is doing. And it, it, I know a lot of times we get caught up in so much of life and the world. Tell you what, God is doing some awesome things day after day. We don't realize as He's touching one person at a time. We just we we are so built on big things and amazing things, and you know what was the big thing? I'm telling you, God, just one person, one one individual, just one life at a time. That's that's how the world has changed. And so, thank you for being a part of that. Thank you for being part of all seasons and and allowing uh, all that we do, just all of us together, working to watch God touch lives. Thank you because of your giving and what you do. I mean, the kids that get to be touched, and 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 it's just you don't realize. I know sometimes you need to just take a break. You just need to walk around sometimes and walk by the nursery and walk by and just watch all the lives that are being touched in one day. Just just watch all the lives that God is touching, and and it, it just it'll just blow your mind. It's incredible what God is doing. All right, today I'm I'm on the second part of this uh, series that we're working on of understanding being empowered by my praise. Uh, we've talked about how this year we're wanting to advance, we're wanting to move forward in our lives, and and challenge ourselves to go further than we have, and so. There's nowhere that we can begin, there's nowhere we can start other than praise. Praise is the catalyst for everything in your life. Praise is the is the benchmark by which everything else will be moving forward. We we began last week by understanding how we're empowered by praise, and we began with Psalms 150, and we talked about how God has commanded, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Praising God is part of the criteria of your life moving forward. We decided, as we learned last week, and I'll just recap a little bit of it, how in Isaiah 43 and 21, we learned that, you know what, every one of us was born for praise. Our bodies were built for praise, to clap, to to holler, to scream. If you were watching football, as we talked about last week, if you're doing that, you, you, you're, you're built for praise, praise, and, and, and how others are impacted by praise, how a home field advantage where others are yelling and screaming and, and, and calling out and encouraging one another. We were built as creatures of praise. That's who we are. If you try to look at it any other way, then you're going to misuse or misunderstand your life. It is built for praise. The problem is, is that we have to be careful what we praise and how we praise. Now, if we're built for praise, we found that in Romans 1, when we go to that chapter, there's a lot in Romans, the first chapter. It talks about people being turned over to different mindsets, how they've, they've, they've fallen away in their mind in different ways. But I want to tell you something. It begins with praise. The Bible says they stopped praising God for who He was. And when they began to stop praising God, all the other imaginations and all the other stuff started creeping into their minds, trying to turn God into like a man. It thinks like they do. They turned the praise of God into something else. And when our lives start to go awry, if I meet somebody today and they say, Brother Lot, my life is not what I want it to be. I, I'm in a lifestyle I don't want, or I'm doing things I don't want, or I'm acting in a way. I can always go back to the point where when you quit praising God, or you never started praising God, you, you, you because you never began or never did, all of a sudden now what comes into your mind seems right. What comes into your thoughts seems right. It is the praise of God that protects us and promotes us and pushes us in the right way of thinking. And when we cease from praising God, our thoughts and our mind will begin to uh, go erupt on us. And they will begin to take us to all sorts of things as we studied 
in the book of Romans. We can understand how careful we should be understanding praise and how important it really is. We talked about praise by definition. Praise is literally being able to take something and to outwardly express something that we feel for something inwardly. In other words, praise, as we described it simply this way, it's a willful decision to express all for something or someone. You cannot, somebody says, well, I praise quietly. No, you don't. You may think quietly, but you don't praise quietly. There's no such thing as quiet praise. In other words, the only way that you can praise is there has to be an outward expression of an inward feeling. And we talked about how it works like this. All right, let's say where, where the word root came from. It comes from the word to appraise something, an appraisal of something. So I love those Meacham car shows. I love the Meacham car shows. They bring those antique cars and all that, and they'll, they'll roll them on. You know, They don't even crank them up. They just push them on. They don't want to put one more tenth of a mile on them. They push it onto the stage, and they push it off the stage. They may crank it up just to let you know it runs and all that, but but they don't even put no more miles on them. That car goes straight to a uh, trailer. They got people wiping it off before it goes in, and, man, they got him cleaning it up. And, and all of that is so that when it comes across that stage, it has an appraisal already own it. People have already said, in fact, the owner of the car has said, I have put a reserve on this car. In other words, if I pull a a, a certain uh, Bentley or I pull a 1955 T-Bird with a Continental kit or I pull a, 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 a Comanche Chevy truck. Anybody know what the Comanches are? That's the ones where the windshields were pointed this way. All of them are special and unique. And you know what? If you say, I'll give you thousand dollars for that truck. He's going to laugh at you. Why? Because he's like, look, we're not even going to have a conversation. Why? Because there's a reserve on this. There's a reserve. There's an appraisal already been given to this. And if you don't meet the appraisal value, we're not even going to talk. Can I tell you something? That when we come into the house of God, God says, I've already put an appraisal value on myself. I've already put a value on me. In other words, if you're going to praise me or you're going to get my attention or you want us to have any communion, Somebody sitting there saying, well, if there's a God, he ought to talk to me. God's not going to meet you like that. Well, if, if there's a God, he ought to do No, God doesn't do it. God says, I already have a value. I already have an appraisal value. If you want to know anything about me, you better enter my courts with thanksgiving, into my gates with prayer. You better come in with a mindset that, you know what, I am already giving God a value. So when somebody pulls that car across and they say, we're going to start the bidding at $100,000, somebody's like, a hundred thousand. Well, you just don't know the value of it. That when somebody comes into church and you're sitting there say, praise God for all that he's doing. But why are these people acting crazy? Well, I'm going to explain something to you. You just don't know the appraisal value of it yet. You just haven't learned the value of God. When you learn the value of God, you'll find out, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. You would lift unto him and he says, let holy hands be lifted. He isn't asking you, he's telling you, I've already got a value. And people before you like David understood my value and they danced before me with all of their might they gave everything they had in praise because praising me is how you come into me mm. that was a good sermon last week you missed that one man you better hope today's good so so we understood that through Abraham so we learned last week where do we praise well, we found out that through old times that they praised at temples, they praised at tabernacles, they praised at different things they had built. Ultimately, when Jesus comes, he establishes the temple of God to be 
in us. So now God resides in us. So when we want God to move in us and we want God to move in our lives, praise has to erupt from our temple. So, so if you're sitting here like this, well, I wish God would do something. It's like you've locked the doors of your temple and you're wondering why you're not having church. He says, you are the temple of God. So praise. So that's why he puts it this way, where two or three touching anything in a group. Why? Because if two people come together and understand we're in the temple of God, God said, where two or three are gathered, I'm in the midst of them. Why? Because you understand it's not a place anymore. Wherever you are is the temple of God. And you begin to praise God and lift God and encourage yourself in God. God begins to grow inside. God begins to make himself known in your life. That's how it works. Anybody ever get to praising and feeling better? I mean, you walked in, I'll tell you what, I don't even know why I came today, I don't know. And all of a sudden, they get to singing, and you clapping, and it's like, you know, that's tough. And a big old tear starts coming down, you're like, what's going on? What you did was you unlocked the doors of your temple. That's all. It's always been there, but you shut down the praise. And so we found out last week that we are that temple, and that we are to worship Him. And where we're to worship Him? Wherever we are. If I'm in a hospital... Before I pray with somebody, that's the first thing I'm going to do. I'm going to speak to them. I'm not just going to walk in, well, I'm Pastor Lot. I'm here to pray with you. No. Hey, what's your name? What do you do? Tell me about the doctors have said. I don't need to know all the details. Just tell me what God's fixing. Man, I'm telling you, God's bigger than that. God's bigger than whatever the doctor said. Man, I'm telling you, I knew somebody just a short week ago, just a few rows down there here on the other floor, and I prayed with them, and man, they're home right now. Really, Pastor? I'm telling you, God can do it. And as we talk and begin to praise God in that room, then I look at them, I said, are you about ready to go home? Yeah, well, let's just pray, and let's just believe God right now is going to raise you up and get you go home. All right, what have we done? I didn't change the room. I brought the temple of God into that hospital room because I am the temple. I can do that at my family. I can do that at my work. I can do that in my thoughts. That's why Paul said, take every thought captive. I can do that in my life because I am the place where God resides. Look at the person beside you and say, God lives here. That's where God lives. And as big as I make him right here is as big as he becomes everywhere. There's no building I can go to anymore. It's great when all of us come together and we're worshiping together. That's wonderful. But God is here. I am the church. I am the temple. So we've learned that last week. This week, I need us to go a little bit further. We understood where. I need us today to understand why we worship God. The who, what, where, why, and when. I want you to understand why we worship God. Go with me in your Bibles to Psalms 150 again, and let's do verses 1 and verse 2 this time as we get a little bit further and we go a little further into this understanding of God, this understanding of the worship and the praise that we need to bring to God. Psalms 150, verse 1 and 2. Praise ye the Lord. Praise the God in His sanctuary. Now we've learned that, right? Got that. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. And praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. So today what we want to learn is why we are to praise God. In fact, it's very simple why once we kind of get it understood and we grasp it, why we are to praise God and not where we're supposed to praise God. It simply is this, for His mighty acts in life, His mighty acts in the world, His mighty acts. There are two different realms in which the Bible and God will explain Himself or reveal Himself. There are two different areas in which He has mighty acts. One of those is in creation. 
He has displayed His mighty acts in creation. So in creation, we see His wonder and His power. The other is the redemptive power of God. We see that throughout history, through the Bible, He has redeemed man. He has brought man from where they were to where He has called them to be, back into the family of God, to be children of God. And so the whole Bible is built around this context. While you're reading the Old Testament, you will either see one of two things. You will see God's power being revealed as creation or you will see his power being revealed as redemption. And so sometimes they're mixed together. While he's redeeming Israel, while he's bringing them out of Egypt, what's he also doing? He's parting the Red Sea. So while he's redeeming a people, he's also showing you that water listens to me and rivers listen to me and Air listens to me. So what he's doing is, all through the Bible, you're watching and reading the Bible. He's describing himself in two distinct ways, sometimes together, but always in just two ways. His creative power in the world and his redemptive power in the world. So that's what we see. That's what we're experiencing all the time when we're around God. So in Psalms 150 verse 2, we find that out, that we are to praise him for all of this. Go with me Hebrews 11 and 3. Let me begin to show you. We're going to go to several scriptures because all through the Bible, this is the cord that has to run. This cord has to run through all the Bible. If this is true, it's going to run from Colossians and it's going to run in Psalms and it's going to run in every part from prophets to you name it. But let's start in Hebrews 11 and 3. Listen to what the Bible says. Through faith, and we call Hebrews 11, we, we call it the faith chapter, right? We call it the chapter of Abraham where, where he describes all the heroes of faith. But listen to me, before he describes the heroes of faith, before he goes into all the heroes of faith, there was one thing that the heroes of faith understood. There's one thing that the heroes of faith all had in common. And this is the one thing that they had. They were all in accord in this one thing. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that the things which are seen were not made by things which do in other words, the things you can see is not what made the things you can see. What, what you see was created by another force, another power. We call that power God. We call Him the Almighty. And the Almighty has done this. Go with me to Psalms 19 verses 1 through 4. Psalms 19 verses 1 through 4. Let me show you how the psalmist would describe it. He said, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament show forth His handiwork day Unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out throughout all the earth. Their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. What are you saying, pastor? The psalmist said, listen to me. I don't care if you speak Ethiopian. I don't care if you speak Hebrew. I don't care if you speak German. I don't care if you speak Russian. I don't care if you speak Chinese. I don't care what language you speak, if you speak English or Pig Latin. I don't care what it is. He said, here's the one thing you got to know, that when God created the universe and he created 
invaded the world, it began to sing a song that will continue singing to the day that God wraps it all up. And this song is the same for every person. I don't care if a Russian walks out today and looks outside at the trees and the sky. And I don't care if a Chinese person walks out today and looks out at the water and all that's there. I don't care who you are. He said the firmament every day that you're in existence screams out and sings out that there is a God in heaven, that there is a God who created it, and it is unstanding. It's going to remain. It never ceases. And this is what the psalmist says. He said, you built a tabernacle under the entire sun. He said, under all we can see, you built a tabernacle that says, there is a God. There is an Almighty. There is a God who reigns. You can't escape it. Somebody says, I don't believe in God. Well, you better keep your eyes closed. Because everything you see is going to tell you there's a God. That's what atheists run into. That's what, that's what naturalists run into. They, they can't go very long without, I don't believe. I don't care if you believe or not. you got something singing in your ear every day. There's a God, there's a God, there's a God. When the lightning and the thunders and the waves roll, there's a God, there's a God, there's a God. How does all this stay together? There's a God, there's a God, there's a God. How come a meteor doesn't destroy us? There's a God, there's a God, there's a God. How did all this get here? There's a God, there's a God, there's a God. See, when he's describing himself in creation, he describes himself as first, ex nihilo. Now you can go home and tell people you know some Greek. You're smart now. I know some Greek. Ex nihilo. And you can tell them that it means out of nothing. Out of nothing God created. And there's another word called perverbum which means by the word, by word. So go with me to Job 26 and 7. And let me explain this to you. Job 26 and 7. He stretched out the north over the what? In other words, there was no north. There was no south or east or west when he started. There was no, there you could have held a compass and it wouldn't have done anything. There wasn't no, there wasn't no pool. There was no magnetism. There was nothing. When there was nothing, God stretched the north over the empty space and he hung and he hangeth the earth upon. So imagine it this way. This is, this is the way God's describing. He said, let me see if I can give it to y'all where y'all can understand it. He said, Job, tell him, tell him what I did. Job said, he, he, just imagine this rag right here. He said, there never was a rag, never has been a rag, never has been any black cloth ever in the world. And God said, let there be black cloth. God said, I made it. Out of what? Nothing. What do you mean you made it? I just made it out of nothing. And then to top it off, I turned around and I said, Black Cloth, I don't want to hold you. I just want you to stay right here. Now, see, I don't have the power to do that. Black Cloth, stay right there. But God has the power to hold the whole universe in his hand. He holds the earth in his hand and he says, Earth, whatever trillions, tons that you weigh, I created you out of nothing. I formed you and made you, and then I'm going to tell you right here, right there, right this distance from the sun, I want you to hang right there. And he let it go, and it hung on nothing. Oh, you have no idea how powerful God is. You, that's why we praise him, because understanding his creative, out of nothing, ex nihilo, perverbum, out of his word, by his word, he simply spoke it, and out of his spoken word, he simply created and made it do what he wanted it to do. Go with me to Psalms 33 and 6. Oh, this gets good. Psalms 33 and 6. 
by the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the what? By the breath of his mouth. He said, simply, I just breathed them into existence. I just spoke them into existence. I just told them they have to exist. They couldn't go anywhere else. They couldn't do anything else. I told them that's just the way it's going to be. You've got to stay where I'm telling you. I breathe the universe into place. I breathe the moon into place. I breathe the sun into place. I breathed everything that is. A language like you don't understand. He didn't speak English and he didn't speak uh, Hispanic. He didn't speak. But in his own breath, his own words, the universe understood that God spoke, that God breathed on it. And when he did, it began to form and make and it became exactly what he said and it hung where he told it to hang this is the power of God that we worship this is the power of the almighty go with me to Hebrews 1 and 3 well, I mean brother Lot, that's great you know because we believe in a God that created it then he took his hands off of it right you know, God kind of put everything, that's, that's some scientist will come along and say, God created it, put it in motion and now but can you understand the scientists can't figure out how the earth stays where it is. You know, all these brilliant people, we'll get to that. It's like it's balancing on something, but we don't know what it tilts, and it gets winter time, and it tilts, and it gets, and it keeps spinning, and it keeps going, and it stays on something that we don't understand. God, if there was a God, just created it and walked away and said, I'm through, and everything that happens just happens. But that's not scriptural. Here's what the Bible says in Hebrews 1 and 3. He who being the brightness of his glory and the excellent image of his person and upholding all things by the power of his word, why does everything stay where it is? Because the word of his power or the power of his word, as we would say it, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of majesty on high. He said, even the redemptive side, we know the majesty of the world. We walk out and we see how God created it. He said he did the same thing with salvation. He said he spoke it. And by the power of his word, it maintains itself. That's why 2,000 years later, after the apostle Paul had preached that if you will confess your sins, he's just and faithful to forgive your sins. Can I tell you something? 2,000 years later, his word is not one ounce weaker. His word is not one ounce less. His word is just as powerful today as it was then so that we can still preach the gospel and that so that the power of his word is so strong that anything he's ever said that's got to be, it not only is done, but it maintains itself by the power of his word. That's why he can tell you, I am the same yesterday, today, Come back a hundred years from now and you'll find God just as strong and just as mighty and just as powerful because God does not weaken. God does not lessen. God's word does not grow weaker in time. He simply starts from the end and goes back to the beginning and says, now let's walk it out. But I can tell you by my power, I don't have any problem getting there. In Genesis, we see this so often. In Genesis 1 and 3, what does it say? And God said, let there be light. And there was, what does it say in verse 6? And God said, go ahead and say it out loud. And God, I'm going to tell you how the world was created. I'm going to go ahead and save you a whole lot of time and energy. And God said, that's how it happened. Let science spend millions of dollars and send telescopes everywhere to figure out. God said, 
It's all they're going to find out. That's what science is figuring out now. That's why they're having a debate within themselves. It's chaos. And we'll talk about that a little bit. It's chaos right now because guess what's the newest thing everybody's trying to bring into new science now? Creative design. Who's bringing that in? The Christian world? No, it's scientists who have been studying this for 20, 30, 40 years that are walking away now saying, this didn't just happen. There was a creative design. That's why you're seeing all the shows now about aliens and you're seeing all the shows about space people from other planets and how possibly they came and, and, and this earth was nothing and they came and populated the earth and we're here today because we were dropped off by an alien ship millions of years ago. Hey, don't you watch the TV show Ancient Aliens? We can't even find modern aliens, but we want to talk about ancient aliens. The pyramids were all built as satellite dishes. I mean, we didn't even have dish TV, but the aliens did. The aliens had dish TV, and they had it set up in pyramids, and that's where all the pyramids came from. Watch the junk. Why? Because here's the thing. Science is failing. Science is falling to pieces because what they're wanting to prove is that there's no God. And the more that they research it, they realize that it's a one to a one hundredth. In other words, you take a one thousandth, you take a one and put a thousand zeros behind it and put a one. That's the odds that half the any of this stuff could ever have happened. But God created a whole universe, put it all into place, and somebody wants to come along and say there's no God. You've got to be losing your your mind. Go to verse 14. Let me tell you how stuff was made. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament. Would you want to know how things were made? Go with me to verse 20. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundant life. Would you like to know how the world was created? Go to verse 24. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after its kind, the cattle, the creeping thing, the beast of the earth after its kind. And it was because he has power to speak nothing out of nothing. He has the power to be able to say to something by my very words, be in existence, and it is done. Now listen to me. This is important to understand because we live in a, in a world now of science. Let's talk about this for a second. I'm not anti-science. I love science. I love the study. I watch a lot of discovery channels and a lot of the stuff where they study birds and they study alligators. and they, That's wonderful. I think it's incredible what science can do. But listen to me. The problem with science is it stepped off into a boundary it never had no business stepping into, and now it's knee-deep in junk. There's only three scientific ways that the world could be in existence. Only three ways that they have come up with. Now, they keep jumping back and forth. That's why you can't have debate, because all they're going to do is moral and, 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 and criticize, well, you, you're a Christian. You, got, you can believe in nothing. Well, it's real simple. Would you like to see gravity? You just saw gravity. Do you see him? Let me show you gravity again. Look real close. Did y'all see gravity? You see him push that thing down? No. Science would have you to believe that Christians would believe in nothing, just invisible gods. You believe in gravity? You don't. Go jump off that building. You will. So when somebody smart comes along and says, I don't believe in visible stuff, tell them, well, then go jump off a building, dude. You find out gravity works. He grabbed right a hold of you, drag you straight down that concrete. You can tell him all day long, I don't believe in you. It don't matter. Why? Because he's an invisible force. All we believe as Christians is, is that something in the invisible was strong enough to make something in the visible. All that we see is the effects. All we see is the effects of what he has done. 
So when some science person comes along and says, well, we don't believe in it, we, we believe in what we can see. No, you don't. No, you don't. There's three different versions of science, the creation of the world. Number one was this, is that every one of us in this room is living in a dream. That's a theory. It's one of the three. If you don't believe it, watch The Matrix. Where do you think The Matrix, the movie, the series came from? It's from a scientific mindset that we're all plugged up in some warehouse somewhere. Every one of us is plugged up to some giant computer that we can't see, and all that really is is little lines and things going, and all we're living in is an imaginary world. Really? You're bald-headed laying in a tub of water with a hose hooked to the back of your head. <laughs> Welcome to science. You didn't laugh when you watched it. You bought the DVD. You loved it when he dodged and bullets. That's a scientific version of the world. Y'all, y'all that's science. It was so funny. Like, that what you come up with? Well, it's all it can be. It's a dream. Number two is that the earth was created, according to Darwinism and all of this, was created out of nothing. So, so what they're teaching is, is that, okay, this theory is that two nothings collided and created 100,000. Now walk down to your math class and say, Teacher, if zero plus zero come out to be 100,000, what would you say? You say you're breaking all the laws of math. That's all you're breaking. But science says two nothings collided in the universe. No, no power collided with no power to create power. There's no possible way. It, it breaks every law of physics, breaks every law of understanding, every law of engineering, breaks every, every law of mathematics. There's no way two nothings collide. Two zeros make something. That one won't work anymore. That's why Darwinism and all that's fading out. You know, we still believe in, quote, evolution. Yeah. You have really evolved from what your papa looked like. Some of y'all still got the same look. Guess what? Your kid's going to look like grandma too. You ain't evolving. There ain't no new species of anything. So what, what do you do? That was falling apart. Well, number three, the earth then must be eternal. That's where you'll hear all the junk. You walk up to some plaque on the wall and they got a rock in a museum. This rock we found is 157 million years old. Well, the only problem with that theory is, when they don't tell you is, is that if something has been burning, if I throw a piece of wood on a fire and I start it burning a million years ago, what's going to happen? It's gone. Man, you've got more sense than most folks. I'll tell you. See, the problem with their theory is, is that you can't have something continue. The sun would have burned out in eternity ago. If we'd been here for eternity, then in eternity ago, we would have, third eternity ago, 150 million years ago, 200 million years ago, something would have burned out. But nothing has burned out. Nothing has dimmed. Nothing has got, it still gets 90 something degrees in the summertime, and it still gets to zero in the wintertime. And people are still buying skis to go skiing in the winter. Why? Because the theory won't hold. Because all the laws of mathematics and all the laws of combustion and engineering proves that you cannot have something continually running for eternity unless, oh, see, here's the problem. Science ran into a problem. Then there must be something external that's managing and maintaining what is running. If it doesn't weaken and it doesn't lessen and it stays the same and it continues, then there must be something, oh, you're getting close. So when people come and say, there must be, scientists finally bump their head against reality, and they're like, there must be an external force. There must be something outside of 
our existence that created, because nothing could create this, there had to be something that spoke to the nothing. There had to be something that moved in its power on the nothing. Something that had energy had to speak to something that didn't have energy and to transfer that energy onto it. Guess what? That's what God said. I was the energy, and out of nothing I spoke one day and said, let there be light, and there was light. I said, let there be firmament, and there was firmament. Let there be, and there was time and time again. He says, I'm not going to get into all the math with you. I'm not going to get into all the science with you. That'll be something fun for you to figure out. Think about it, all the millions we spent trying to prove something. And all we proved was that Genesis was right. That's all we, we proved Genesis is right. Something out. So you got a choice now. It's fixing to come to it. Listen to me. You either going to believe in little green men before long, or you can believe in God. Because they already know, science already knows there's an external force somewhere that made it. They just got to convince you before you believe in God that it had to be something flying in some saucer somewhere. Pastor, why is it such a stroke? Listen to me. We live in a crazy world. Let me tell you how crazy we are. People teach us out of their knowledge. But the smartest people in the world, the smartest people in the world, I'm not trying to say people are dumb, the smartest people in the world, people that are off the chain on IQ, people that contain only 2 to 3% of the world's knowledge. If you can speak four languages, how many languages do you think there are? Like you've done something. Four out of a hundred and something thousand? Ooh, I can speak four languages. Wonderful. You've got 2% of the knowledge in the world. We put posters up of LeBron James because he can shoot a 30-foot jump shot. He's been practicing all his life to jump shoot a 30-foot jump shot. Man, the King James. And I could put him on a tractor out in the yard and say, here, mow my grass. I don't know how to crank this thing. I don't, know how, I don't know how to run a stick shift. Speak Chinese for me, King James. I don't know Chinese. Speak Russian for me. I don't know Russian. What do you mean? You, you're King James. You know it all. We put posters up about you. And here again, we let somebody who's graduated one little field that knows a little bit of an inkling of something go write a book about how all the world was created when they don't have but 1% to 2% of the knowledge of the world inside their little brain. Look at the person beside you and tell them, say, you ain't that smart. It's not saying you're dumb because even if you go into science, listen to me, I love that. Let's say someone wants to be a doctor. Wonderful. They go into a doctor's field. Now first you got to figure out, do you want to operate on animals or you want to operate on people? Do you want to operate on what? Well, I just want to be able to cut things and sew them back together. Well, well you got to pick one now because you can't know everything. Well, I'm going to go into to human body, okay? Well, then the human body, then we're going to move you down the track. We're going to get you some education, some basic stuff, four years of basic, so you know anatomy and you know the basic stuff. Now you come out, now what are you going to pick? Well, I, I, I want to be able to do it all. Well, you can't do it all. Would you like to work on feet? Would you, would you like to work on brains? Because the guy that does the brain surgery doesn't show up the next day to cut your feet open. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. Because why? Because you don't have the knowledge. You don't have the ability. In fact, you go to your general doctor and you got something more than they can handle. They're going to say, look, I'm going to send you to a specialist. Why? Because this guy spent four more years to learn a little bit more about your toes. I don't do toes. I do general. But now him, man, he can kill all the fungus on your toes. He can help get all of it fixed. He can kill the smell on it. He knows that he's done studied all that stuff, done wrote books about feet and all that kind of stuff, beautiful feet, ugly feet, fat feet, skinny feet. He knows all about feet. 
He can even help flat feet. And there's nothing wrong with that because it's wonderful that somebody has spent most of their life to be able to help somebody's feet. Ain't that wonderful? He spent his whole life. He can fix your feet. But he can't fix nothing else. He couldn't even fix his own marriage. Couldn't help his kids from going sideways. What are you saying, Pastor? The problem we make is, is that we think we're that knowledgeable. We hang around people that want to make you think they're smart. And they are. Maybe in one or two little things they've learned. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a thief. If I find out you know something about something, I'm going to steal it. You know something about something, I'm going to steal it. And that's how you gain knowledge. But listen, I don't have a lifetime to learn what you learned. I don't have a lifetime to learn what you learned. I pick up and I learn, but isn't it awesome? Well, brother, we're, we're messed up then. Oh, no, we're not. Because he who knows all. Yeah. See, I don't have to know the, I don't have to have the understanding of stuff. I just have to have the one who already knows everything. And if I've got him in me, then now I become smart in all areas of life. He that lacks wisdom, ask. Why? Because I know it. I created it. I designed it. I made it. That's why I go to church. That's why I study my Bible. That's why I pray. That's why I read. Why? Because the one that knows all knows how to fix my marriage. He knows how to help me with my kids. He knows how to help me in my job. He knows how to help me on this. He knows which person I need to have in this department. He knows how to fix this. He knows how to move my life along. Go with me to Colossians 1 and 16. Mary. Colossians 1 and 16. Here's what he says. Here's what Paul would say. For by him were all things created that are in the heavens and that are in the earth, visible and invisible. Not only the things that we see in, in, the, in the natural created world, but listen to what he says. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him, and he holds and maintains not just the spinning of the earth, but all that goes on in the earth. He is that powerful. Kingdoms and kings rise and fall. That's why he could tell Daniel when Nebuchadnezzar had a dream about a king who once had feet of the brass and, and, and he had legs of iron and he had all of these and he had all. And he said, how can you tell me? God said, because I'm going to be the one who raises up every one of those kingdoms. And I'll also be the one that throws the rock at the end that tears them all down. I am God that raises up kingdoms, and I'm the God that raises up principalities. So when you talk about the devil and they make little horror movies about the devil, can I understand you, get you to understand this? The only person that put him in the position, in other words, he's a hired person. Satan is a hired person. That's all he is. He was hired to do a job. He done messed up, fell out of heaven, and God says, I'm going to leave you here. I'm going to hire you to do a job. I want you to be able to cause as much conflict and temptation and things, and I'm going to use you to challenge. But understand that I'm already going to give you your pay. It's already done settled. That's all said and done. I'm going to throw you in hell along with your angels and everything else, it's already said. But I'm going to hire you to do what I want you to do. Why? Because I set up principalities. I put people in position. I tell them how far they can go. I tell the ocean it can go only so far. Think about if God had created the moon any larger or any smaller, the earth would not be able to sustain life. You want to you know some stuff? I wish I had time just to go through some stuff. It, it boggles your mind. Water. Water. We see in sci-fi movies that aliens always like to come to Earth to get our what? Water. And that's pretty close. If there were any aliens, that's what they would want. That's exactly what they would want. Because it's one of the most unique chemicals that's ever been created by God. Let me tell you how unique it is. Water is one of the only, is the only substance that, that when it is freezing, it freezes from which side? Everything else hardens from what? That's why that we ice weighs less than water. 
Usually a solid never is weighing less than what it is, is supposed to be. So if I heat up steel, let's say I heat up steel, and I got this bubbling big pile of steel, and I take an axe head and I throw an axe head in there, what's it going to do? It's going to sink. That's exactly what it's going to do. Why? Because the solid in any other substance is harder and more dense, and it falls apart. But in water, water hardens from where? The top. If it did it the other way, if it was made like all the other chemicals and all the other things, if it hardened from the bottom first, then guess what would happen to all life on the earth? There'd be none. As soon as we had our first freeze, everything would freeze from the bottom. And life on the bottom that goes down. So that's why people can still ice fish in Minnesota in the wintertime. Why? Because it doesn't matter how cold it gets. It may get to be three foot of ice on top of there. But you know what? They can take them little drill and drill a hole, put them in a little caddyshack looking thing up there. They can get in there, a little fishing pole and do that right there. Why? Because it doesn't freeze down below. It frees from the top and goes down to the bottom. Ice floats. Oh, it's so much good stuff. Let me tell you about, about crying. Of all the animals that can cry. How many animals do you think there are that can cry? Oh, take a guess. Nine. Nine different animals that can, that can cry. Can we tell you how many animals there are in, in the world that can cry? Look at the person beside you and say, you it. You're the only one. You're the only creation God made that has the ability to cry. Oh, now don't get me wrong. You get your dog outside too long, it'll whine. <laughs> You'll say, I swear my dog's crying. It's just whining. It's just spoiled. You're the only creation that God... And think about that. If God had given you that, because other creatures have fluid that builds up on their eye because a dog can't sit there with his paw and pick out a piece of splinter. But ain't evolution wonderful? That of all the creations, that any creation that actually has fingers and ability to clean out its eye, only that creature evolutionally grew tears See, the problem is the more science you add to God, the more you'll believe in God. It's, it's not the vice versa. Oh, science is going, science don't do nothing but put you toward God every step of the way. I hope they keep researching. I hope they keep looking. I hope they keep finding because all it's going to do is prove that much more. There has to be a God. There has to be a God. I mean, look at the, the tide. If the moon was any larger, the moon was any smaller, then we would have tidal waves. We would have floods. We would have, but it's just the right that the tide goes up and fish and other things can feed into grassy areas that normally they wouldn't be able to get. And the tide goes down and it shifts and it creates a current. Within the water, it creates oxygen within the water so that life for them marine lives. If there wasn't a moon, if he had just created an earth and there was no moon, then there would be no tides. There would be no waves. Even my fish tank out there, I have to create tides. I have to create a current all the time. Life would not live inside my fish tank. If you walk out there, you'll see all of a sudden there's all that grass is moving because there's constantly a current making air, making oxygen, making. And God said, I figured all of that out before I ever spoke it in to existence. Oh, do you have any idea how big your God is? And when he created you, listen, go with me to Job 10 and 11. I'm going to hurry. Job 10 and 11. Ooh. So that means that he created the earth, he created the firmament, he created the life, he created... But let me tell you something, he wasn't even showing off yet. When he got to you, that's when he started showing off. They can't build a computer that can do what your brain can do. And you realize you don't even operate on about 2 to 10% of your brain most of the time. You're, you're, you're not functioning on a full percent. You're, you're, not, you're not even functioning on full percent. We do movies about what if somebody's brain could go 80%. What, if, what you already can do, your eyes that can see, that can focus, 
They can't make computers that can focus like you can. You can take a piece of string and put it through an eye of a needle and then turn around and look up and look 400 yards down and see something. Do you realize how technical that is? They cannot create. You have to get a binoculars for one. you got to pick up binoculars. Science cannot create something. They can do what your brain does automatically. I can put you in a room so quiet that you can hear your own heartbeat. Your ears are so technically designed. Do you realize how wonderful you are? Here's what Job said. Thou hast clothed me with skin and flesh and hast fenced me in with bones and sinew. Go to chapter 33 and verse 4. The Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me. Genesis 1, 26 and 27 says that after God had made all the other things just by the spoken word, here's what he says in Genesis 1, 26 and 27. And God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he. Look at the person beside you and say, you're made in the image of God. Now look at me. We all look different on the outside, our hulls, our shells. Our capsule that holds us together, it may be different color, different sides, different shapes. All of that may be different, but listen to me. Every one of us is made in the image of God. What distinguishes us is three things. Three things. Number one, when God created you, He, number one, gave you a mental capacity that He gave nothing else. Anybody here like deer hunting? There's no way you can kill a deer. There's no humanly possible way you can kill a deer. There's no way you can get a stick off the ground, run down a deer fast enough, and outrun him and catch him and stab him in the neck. No way. None of y'all in here have the ability. None of you have the ability to kill a deer. Oh, but you do. Because God created you in His image, and He said, I created you to have dominion. I created you with mental ability. Think about it. We have hex suits now. Think about this. We have hex suits. So, so your, your, your body heat, all of that, you can put those suits on and it puts off no heat, no anything. There, there's no, where, 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 where you know you're around something, you feel like something's looking at you. Animals can do that. You can put those hex suits on and cover yourself and it doesn't put out any radiation, no heat, no sensors, no, no, no uh, electrical current out of your body. All of it is blocked. But you say, well, I, well, I still stink. Oh, that's okay. We've got soap you can take baths in. We, we've, we've created sprays for all your clothes. We, you can put your clothes in plastic bags that we have created so you keep them all unscented. We can make them smell like flowers and unscented and make them smell like whatever. Heck, if you want to, you can smell like a doe. You can even put doe scent on yourself and have bucks running after you in the woods. Whatever you want, however you want to do it. But the fact is, you can, you can change the very scent that you got. You say, brother, I still can't chase it down with a stick. I mean, even if I, even if I sneak up on it and I'm like this, I still can't get, oh, ain't it amazing how God has created and given us a mental capacity that within us right there, he says, not only that, I've allowed you to create weaponry. You, you can, I watched a show the other day where a guy was shooting some African little, little gazelle type thing. That thing was like that, like a little bit bigger than a dog. Pulled that gun up. Now it had to happen that way. It didn't go like, got him. It wasn't like that. It was like, you can see the dust in the distance. He shot that little animal from 750 yards away, two mountains away. He was on one little hill while that one was way on the other hill, and it never saw it coming. You have been given the mental capacity. Shoot. You, you don't even have to find them. 
You don't have to chase them down. Now you can run to Walmart and get you some cane syrup, peanut butter smell. You can get you some corn that has already attractants already added. Put it in your little feeder. You don't even have to feed them yourself. You can buy one and program it yourself. And at 4 o'clock every afternoon, that little thing will go... And corn will go... And then at 6 o'clock in the morning, that little thing will cook off again. And corn will go out again. And them deer, even though you don't have the ability to kill one, will walk right up to the deer stand that you build with a gun or the bow and arrow, that sh- bows that shoot 400 feet per second. You can stand right there and watch it come up to you because God gave you the mental capacity. I don't think you're super smart now, but God gave you the mental capacity to rule and reign over the things in His world. The second thing God gave you was He gave you also His compassion. He gave you compassion. A lion does not catch a gazelle and then walk around like, Oh, Lord, I killed that gazelle. I have to eat, Lord. You know i got to eat. The reason I mention that is because if you ever watch Madagascar and some of those cartoons, you ever watch that stuff? The lion's like, I don't want to eat things. I'm a vegetarian. No, there's no such thing. Lions do not get fretful. They kill it. They're like, yes, yes. Why? Because there's no, there's no passion. You go to Walmart today and there'll be somebody ringing a bell for people that, not even themselves, people who are less successful, people who have needs, and our compassion that God has put inside of us will reach out and give money. We are one of the most giving groups. In fact, you would think that because, well, wealthier people can do that. Do you know Mississippi is one of the most giving and we're the poorest nearly state in the, in the country, but we're one of the most giving estates in the world. Why? Because giving has nothing to do with wealth. Giving has to do with the compassion you have in your heart. And number three, he gave you social ability. Everybody in this room needs and wants love. Everybody in this room needs and wants love. They'll act like they don't. They'll act like, I can do by myself. No, you can't. Because when God made you in His image, God built man for the very purpose of having companionship. He said, I wanted to make man. Why? Because I want something to have companionship with. And guess what? When He created you, He made you in His image. So that's why you keep looking for something, a dog, a cat, a frog, uh, a chipmunk, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a wife, a kid. You keep looking for something. Car, whatever it is. It, I mean, you get to naming cars by women's names, you know, you, you know you're relational. That's old Susie over there now. Dude, that's a little weird. She's been good to me the last 20 years. She ain't ever let me down. I'm like, okay, dude. Why? Because we're relational. We're built to be relational. But now listen, I'm going to close. i got to give you this warning as I close. I have to end this because I've, I've told you that our praise has to come from all that God has done. Our praise comes because of all that He has created. But there's a flaw. And this flaw can be manipulated by the enemy. And this is it. Never... Let the creation determine the value of the creation. Never let the creation determine the value of the creation. Never let flesh be the judge of your life. Let me put it to you this way. There's some of you in this room that can't figure out whether you need a flat booty or you need to put some injections in your booty to get a bigger booty because bigger booty's the end right now. Some of you can't figure out whether you need to be double D or just C's or B's or whatever else you need to be and, and because you ain't figure out what's sexy yet. Some of you ha- go spend hundreds of dollars on, on something that's got a, 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 a lucky leaf on, on their blue jeans or say got something else or it says Calvin Klein or it says Gucci or it says this. Some of you spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on things you drive and you spend. What I'm telling you is never let the creation tell you the value of the creation. What you're living in is a world to where you don't know if your hair's right, your 
life's right, you got to put yourself on picture selfies so that others can say, you look good, or you look bad, or you look this. Let me tell you something to get this clear to you. When you know who you are in Christ, you can rock Walmart clothes. Yep. You can wear your New Balance tennis shoes, and it don't matter what anybody says. You can go to Kmart. That looks good. It's going to look good on me. Why, Pastor? Because we live in a world now to where we want our praise to become from the creation. And these people are making millions and getting rich. Some of you during Christmas will buy things you have no need for. No need for. But you got to have it because it gives you a little bit more. Oh, they love me because they bought me this $2,000 jewelry. They must love me because they bought that forever promise ring. You ever price one of them bad boys? Ain't no promise worth that. You just going to have to take it. I just had to look at my wife like, baby, you just got to take it for granted. I love you. Here's the picture of it, and you just put that in your jewelry box, a picture of it, because that's as close as we're getting. I'm sorry. We need some new underwear and some new socks in our house. We, we need a lot of things. That's right. We've got to pay a light bill. We've got a lot more important things to go. I need to be able to see my house. But what happens is, listen, through their clothes, through the look, through smell, through everything, through the style of clothes you wear, through whatever you do, you're letting the world dictate what's beautiful and not. But listen to me. Here's the problem. Here's your problem. Come next year, it changes. Look at pictures of yourself five years ago, what you were wearing. Look at pictures of yourself ten years ago, what you was wearing. Can I tell you something? You haven't gained or lost any more value. But we put our value in what others have said, and they change from one year to the next. And so you got to figure out, is my body right? Is this right? Am I the right size? Am I the right shape? Do I have the right size we're in? Do I have the right size of this? Do I have the right name on my clothes? Do I have the right, I ain't wearing them style of tennis shoes. I'm not wearing, listen to me. When you finally come to grips that God created me and the creator that created this universe I described to you, the God that hung something out of nothing, the God who did that also said, I keep the number of your hair numbered. Not only that, I know every bird that falls. And not only that, I know you. Will you stand? Go with me to Psalms 8. Why don't you pull up one more Psalms for me? Psalms 8, verses 4 through 8. And I need you in here to realize when you walk out who you are. I need you to realize when you walk out of here today, your praise, your praise has to rise to your Creator. Why do I praise, Brother Lot? Because of who I am. I praise Him for all His mighty works, all He's done. Here's the way the psalmist said it. What is man that you think about Him? And the Son of Man that you visit Him? Who am I that God who created all of this would visit me right now? Think about it. That God who created all of this says, I want to live in your heart. I want, I want to walk home with you today. I want to help you make decisions today. I want to help you. I want to be part of your life. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. You made him a little lower than the angels, and then you crowned him with what? When the enemy sees me, he sees a crown. A crown that he says, I want to take off your head. 
I want you to feel like you're a nobody. I want you to feel like you're useless. I want you to feel like you're ugly. I want you to feel like you're a misfit. I want you to feel like you don't belong. I want you to feel like the world would be better off without you because I don't want you to realize that there's a crown on your head that was given to you by the Almighty. There was somebody that loved you so much that he said, I knew you when I formed you in your mother's womb, Tim. I knew you and I fashioned you and I designed you and I put your parts together. I knew you. I knew your talents. I knew your abilities. I formed you, knew you, fashioned you, made you, brought you into this world, and I am walking with you every step of the way. I crowned you with glory. I crowned you with honor. I gave you a name. I gave you a purpose. I gave you a life. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and crowned him with glory and honor. Thou hast thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under what? Brother Lot, I don't feel like everything's under my feet. That's because you quit praising. See, when you quit praising God who reigns and rules in you, then you've lost your partner. And you're right. Me by myself, I can't overcome everything. Oh, but when I'm praising Him, then the Scripture is brought to my memory, if God be for me, who dare be against me? If God's on my side, if God who created the universe is with me, who dares say I can't? I won't. You're not good enough. Your clothes aren't right. Your shoes aren't right. Your hair's not right. you got to buy you some stuff to put on your head, get more hair on your head, otherwise you're not right. You're going to have to do more or something because you're not right. Oh, but if God be for me, I don't care if I wear glasses or not. I don't care if I'm bald or not. I don't care if I'm short and stumpy or not. I don't care if I can sing or not. I don't care if I got all the talents in the world or not. I know this much. If God is for me, when I go out into my world tomorrow, the God who walks with me and reigns with me will help me to overcome every trial and every circumstance and every situation. He will make me more than an overcomer. I am more than an overcomer through Christ who strengthens me. Thou hast made as him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the sea. I'm terrorized of sharks, and I'm through. I, 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 everybody knows I'm terrorized of sharks, but yet I love to fish. And I wade off in water sometimes. I shouldn't wade off into fishing, got bait hanging off of it, and I'm thinking, this is crazy. So those two are always fighting again. But some of the most greatest documentaries I ever see is on the great white sharks. And do you know you can pull up on the website right now, they, they catch them things with a hook. They, they, they rope them up into this little trough, raise it up. They do everything but brush that thing's teeth. They tag it, trace it, check its vitals, everything. Then they lower that thing down, it swims off. And you can pull up on your internet and find out where Lucy has been all the last two years. She's been cruising the coastline. And it gives me a peace. It says, God, if you gave us that much ability, and we're just a portion made in the image of the reality, how great does that make you? God says, Tim, I don't need a tracker. Tim, I could tell you where Lucy is right now. I could tell you where every fish is in the ocean right now. How do you know, Brother Lot? Because he told your fishermen one day to throw their nets to the other side because he said, guys, they're not on this side, they're on the other side. And he wasn't even able to see below the water. Oh, yes, he could. They're right there. I see them. And once ones ain't there, they're fixing to come to your net because I'm fixing to tell them to move right over here into this net. This week, I want you to do this, and I'm, I'm through. 
This week, I want you to challenge yourself. I want you to look in the mirror some, and I want you just to raise your hands and praise God. Brother, I don't feel beautiful. Then praise until you feel beautiful, because God didn't make no junk. I want you to quit letting the creation tell you you're beautiful or you're smart or you're this or you're that. Quit letting creation, quit letting another creation tell a creation what it is. You may have to dislocate yourself from Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is. and Maybe nobody's going to give you any likes. That's okay. If God be for me, who cares if everybody else likes me? Some of you in this room, you're, you're battling this. Some of you in this room are battling this. I'm sorry I'm going a little longer, but i got to get this to you. Some of you are battling this. Some of you young people are battling this. This world of self-esteem and this world of value is killing us. It's killing us. Whether somebody else says our clothes are right or our life is right or our world is right, you're going to have to spend enough time in praise this week until where you can walk out and say, if me and God are right, if me and God are doing it, if God is living in me and I'm walking, it's going to be okay. My Facebook account, if I had one, would just simply have this cover on it and have a picture of me, and it would just have it saying, God thinks I'm beautiful, smart, sexy. I really don't give a hoot what you think. <laughs> and I really would never check whether you posted anything or not. I'd close the account. I'd just leave it hanging there and just let people just look at it every now and then. You know what Pastor Lot put up? Because if God be for me, who dare be against me? Will you pray with me, Father? For that person in this room right now that Christmas is not a good time for them. Because God, they've lost praise. They've lost their ability to raise their hands and praise you. And because of that, all they see is what's not right in their life and what's not right in their world and, and what things are chaos and what things are makes them angry and what things... Lord, you sent them by here today to remind them that if they would begin their praise about you, you who created everything, you who built everything and hung it on nothing, you who fashioned and made us as individuals, every one of us in this room, you built us in your image. God, you built us and then you said, I love you. I never made junk. I love you. And I got a plan and a purpose for you. Would you let our hands go up this week? Would you just let us, when we don't feel valued, when we don't feel like nobody cares, would we just praise our way until we realize that there's a heavenly Father who gives us value, who loves us and cares for us, is fighting for us? It doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't matter the clothes I got on. It doesn't matter if I got good stuff or mediocre stuff. It doesn't matter if I'm wearing something from, from Steinmart or I'm wearing something from Walmart. It doesn't matter. All that matters is that when I look in the mirror, I see what God has made. And God, who is the great creator, has made things wonderful. Father, do that for every person here. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Go give the devil fits.